Good morning, I'm Jeff. I'm really, uh, really excited to be here today. I, I say that every week. I love it. I love being in church. I love being with you in church. I love doing this together. I, how was the baby dedication? That was, one, that, was, that was one for the ages, don't you think? Ben actually just called it out. He's like, this is a veteran move right here. I got three of them. I'm going to do that. It was awesome, you guys. Thanks for doing that. It was sweet to be a part of that with you. And, and it's moving. When I, you know, a little, I did the last one, but I got to sit through this one to think about like, yeah, no, I'm going to live in such a way that your kids will come to know and love Christ. Like, I'm in. Yes, I'm in to do that. I love it that we're God's church together. Sweet. And so we're going to come and study God's word together as we do every week. I am... Um, uh, I'm sorry for you in advance that um, as uh, we're in this series called uh, Spiritus Sanctus, we're studying the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry for you in advance that as we came to this topic of the fruit of the Spirit, I could not nail it down into a perfect little three-point sermon. I couldn't like get it into anything pithy enough for you to be like, oh, I remember exactly, like here it is. And so we're going to study the scriptures together. And then I realized in God's wisdom that that is a great idea because the fruit of the Spirit for many of us that have been around is a concept that we think we're kind of like, oh, I kind of get what the fruit of the Spirit is about. And so I thought, no, it might be good for us with fresh eyes to study the scriptures together. And so uh, I'm going to give you a little warning here. We're going um, to turn the lights up like we did a little bit in our Colossians study, and we're going to study the word together um, uh, as I guide us through the text. And we'll see what unfolds. And when we're out of time, that's all God had to say to you today. Okay, that's how we're going to do it. So uh, ready for those harsh lights to come up? I know it's all sleepy and cold, but here we go. Watch this. Oh, I know we don't do it every week, but we do it enough to kind of go, okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab one of the Bibles from the chair in front of you, okay? Somebody give Greg one in the front row. These guys, if you need one, you got, you got one, okay? And, uh, and turn to Galatians chapter five. We're gonna start with one part of one verse, and then we're gonna walk through the whole text together. Galatians five, somebody give me a page number. 1077. I want you to look at Galatians 5.22 before we look at the context. Galatians 5.22, page 1077. And I want everybody here to grab a Bible or have, if you have your own Bible, electronic Bible, um, that'd be awesome. And uh, we're not gonna put the scripture up on the screen today because part of it is that we want to study it together. And uh, so if you're like, oh man, I don't know, I can't really find that in the thing. Well, that's page 1077, that's the easy way to do it. By the way, table of contents table of contents. People often go, oh man, I just feel like everybody knows where they're looking in the Bible. That is not true. They all just pretend better than you. <laughs> find the table of contents and look it right up. We'll find it. Galatians 5.22. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And Galatians 5.22 is sort of the famous verse. And we're going to look at it in context though. You with me? 5.22 to start with. And this is what we read. And many of us are familiar with this text but I want you to look at it again. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, some of you have patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the list that we kind of know as the fruit of the Spirit. Here's what I want you to know about the fruit of the Spirit. And this is a way for you to check out the rest of the way. And if you're really not sure what it is that I'm trying to say or what we're trying to get out of it, I want you to be able to see this definition because not everybody's kind of like they know what the definition of the fruit of the Spirit is. And you're going to get my point. Here's the, the, the definition of the fruit of the Spirit. It's what is grown in us. Do we have that slide, Daryl? Thank you. It's what is grown in us and what comes out of us as a result of letting God be in charge. 
The fruit of the Spirit, if you're wondering, like, so what's the fruit of the Spirit? And I know this list. I've heard this list before. By the way, I literally was looking for a quote from an author, and I was typing in a quote about the fruit of the Spirit. I Googled this, and, and it, a list of the fruit of the Spirit quotes came up and, you know, just generated electronically. And one of the things that came up was 522, and it said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. And it said, author unknown. That's what it said. <laughs> like somebody's not doing their research. Like, that's just... It's right here. It's been here for a long time. Somebody couldn't quite figure out where that thing came from. The fruit of the Spirit is what is grown in us and what comes out of us. You're like, what comes out of us? That's kind of a graphic phrase. It's a funny phrase. What comes out of us? It's like, the fruit of the Spirit is what is grown in us and what comes out of us as a result of letting God be in charge of our lives. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. Look at each of those phrases again, and I don't want you to miss this. It's what is grown in us. Fruit's grown. It's what is grown in us. It's inside of us. There's, it's passive. It's, it's growing inside of us, and then it comes out of us. But that, that comes out of us. It's growing in us, and it comes out of us as a result of what? Letting God be in charge. Now, this is the context that we're going to study. In a minute, you're going to find this. And I want to give you this up front because I want you to open your eyes to, oh, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Because most of the time, if you've been around churches or if you've ever been on a youth retreat or whatever, ever heard some Bible teaching on this passage, you probably are comfortable with this idea that somebody's going to come along and say, hey, the fruit of the Spirit, love you. you better be more loving. You should have more joy. You should be more kind. You should have some gentleness. You should be more. You should be more. You should be more. Friends, I'm giving away what I think the main point of this text is right now, which is the fruit of the Spirit is actually not what you should be more. It is what is growing in us and what is coming out of us. It is fruit coming out of us as a result of what? Letting God be in charge. We're back to the lordship of God in our lives. We're back to his lordship. We're back to his authority in our lives. That's what this text is about. Let me give you one early illustration of, um, er, early in my Christian life illustration of this concept, and then we'll go on to study the passage together. I was uh, 22 years old. I had just graduated college. I was saving up for grad school, and I was washing windows in the Napa Valley for a living. And um, that was a super fun thing to do. I would knock on people's uh, doors and just tell them I'd wash their windows, and, and, uh, uh, and then I would get into all these really nice homes. By the way, for those of you that are in the trades, you know, you're like, don't, don't say this because it's not true. But uh, like they would be gone for the day. I'd sit around their pool. I'd just enjoy their, their barca lounger. You know, I was, if you watch someone's windows, you're in every room in their house, inside and out, right? You get to, it's right in their world. Anyway, so I, so I washed windows. One morning I was ready to go wash windows at these people's house. And uh, I was 22. I was a, a Christ follower. I'd given my life to Jesus a few years before that. I was hungry for God's truth. And so every day I was in God's word. And so I was in this passage. And I was reading this stuff in Galatians chapter 5 about the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, etc. And I'm reading through those. <clears throat> and I'm realizing I don't know. I don't really know how I could do more of this. Like, I am what I am. You know that feeling? Like somebody said, well, hey, why don't you love that more? Well, okay. Love. Like, how do you? <laughs> like, it kind of dawned on me as a young Christian, I don't really know how I'm going to do this more. And then I got to the word gentleness, and I thought, okay, I'm not known to be gentle. And I don't really have any idea. In fact, I probably, what are you laughing at, Mr. Wade? <laughs> Just keep your comments to yourself over here. <laughs> sir. <laughs> Respect your elders, okay? And so I said, all right, Lord, and I just stumbled on this. 
all right, Lord, listen, I don't, I don't know how to be more gentle, but I love you. I've given you my life. Would you just do some work in me? Like, do what you need to do in me. And I went off to wash windows at this house. This house was a, a young family. Both the mom and the dad were around. The dad was working from home, and there were these uh, uh, two or three kids. I can't remember which. And that there were kids all over the place, and I thought it was super funny. And they followed me to every room and every, and I was in their room, you know, while I was washing windows in their playroom, and they're telling me about their toys, and they're following me outside, and then they're, you know, they're playing, they were in the swimming pool, and they were like, "Watch this! I'm gonna do a dive!" You know, that kind of a deal. I'm just like, I just want to watch the windows. At the end of the day. The mom pays me, and she goes, this is super embarrassing. She goes, you're like a 22-year-old young man. She goes, but, and she kind of heard my story that I was up there living with my dad for the summer, and she's like, D- I don't mean to, she goes, I don't mean to offend you or anything, but would you ever want to babysit our kids? <laughs> she goes, they absolutely loved being with you. And she said, my husband, all, all we could say, she goes, we just kept thinking, look how gentle he is with them. And my mouth dropped open. And the Lord is like, hey, young Christian, honestly, it's that easy. If you submit your life to me, I will bring fruit. Now, I've made it way more complex and convoluted and screwed it up way more in my adult years than that. But in the early days, it was this concept of letting God be in charge of my life. Stuff's going to grow in me by the power and the presence of his spirit. Right? Right? And then it's going to come out. That's a result. The fruit of the Spirit is a result. So you are off the hook today. I'm not going to tell you to be more anything today. Yay! A little cheer. (laughs) This is what I'm going to tell you is that you get, if you're submitted to the Lord, the fruit happens in your life. Now, that's the context. Now, I want you to, so I want to talk because we've been talking about how to uh, be filled with the Spirit, how to walk in the Spirit, and, and the context is going to help us with this concept to lead us into a little more conversation about that before we're totally out of time. So look with me at, at Galatians 5, 16 is the context, and we'll start there, and we're going to walk through this text. 16 is the context of that, you know, the fruit of the Spirit passage. You got it? So I say, walk by the Spirit. Now this is familiar, this phrase, that first phrase, walk by the Spirit walk in the Spirit. Because we talked about keeping in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 is at the end of the passage. It says, since you live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. It's on our cool little chalkboard we have out there in the hallway. You may have seen it coming in. We're kind of already familiar with this idea that it's something that we're going to walk in the Spirit. We're going to keep in step with the Spirit. We're going to walk with God. We're going to have a relationship with God. One of the points on the screen from one of the sermons said, this keeping in step with the Spirit thing is about a God-filled, God-led existence. It makes us supernatural people. God-filled, God-led existence. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Isn't that a great Bible phrase? Do you see it in your... Is that what your version says? Gratify the desires of the flesh. That just sounds like somebody's going to preach on that. Gratify the desires of the flesh. First, what it's setting up here is walking in the Spirit and not gratifying the flesh. It's setting up a contrary... Uh, point between two things. What are the two things that are, that, are, that are in this passage? Spirit and flesh. And this is a really simple spirit, uh, scriptural construct that we end up making a little bit like, oh, it sounds all hyper-spiritual. There's the Spirit of God being in charge of someone's life, and then there's someone living in the flesh, which means living without God, just living earthy, 
living humanly without a spiritual connection with God. So it's a contrast between letting God be in charge of your life or us not having God in charge of our lives. Those are the, that's the, the thing. And the scripture calls that the flesh or some versions call it the sinful nature because it's the nature that we, are, that we possess without God's forgiveness, redemption, restoration. Does that make sense? So walk by the spirit and you're not gonna gratify the desires of the flesh. Let me rephrase it. If you walk with God being in charge of your life, you're not going to feed these compulsions of living like God isn't real or living like God isn't in charge. Does that resonate with you? So we kind of take it out of the super spiritual language and we look at it this way. We're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. If I'm going to walk with God being in charge of my life, then I'm not going to end up just feeding all the compulsions of sort of selfishness or of self-living or of self-rule. Two things, living God's way living my way, living with God as my ruler, my king, my Lord, or me being in charge of my life, flesh, spirit. Hope that takes some of the mystery out of what does this mean? Verse 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Now, some of you have an ulterior way of translating it. They weren't exactly sure uh, how to translate that. Um, some of you either, it says, so that you don't do what you want, which is true, because you don't do what you wanted. You want to do the right thing, but your flesh is always pulling you and you do wrong stuff all the time. Hello, anyone? Or they think the better translation is the one you have in the Bibles from the church. It says, so that they're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. They're in conflict with each other, but you don't get to just do what you want. I like doing what I want. Makes me feel in control. And so that's what we do. I'm going to need those, don't you think? Thanks, Adrian. She's given me this. Your notes are on the floor. They're in conflict with each other, so we don't get to do whatever we want to do. That's the lordship piece. Do you see it in there? You don't get to do whatever you want to do. And it's not like rebuking us like, you dummy. It's just saying, listen, it's, there's two ways of living. You're either under the lordship of, of Christ or you're getting to, to lord, be the lord of your own life. And so if you just do whatever you want to do, you're essentially living without God in your life and that's not how you were designed to live. That's not this abundant life that Jesus came to give us. They're in conflict with each other. Verse 18, but if you're led by the spirit, you are not under law. If you're led by the spirit, you're not under law. Kind of a tough phrase to understand, but what it means is you're not bound by if you're led by the Spirit, you're not subject and bound to obey some sort of religion that's going to help keep you in check. It's going to help keep you a godly person. It's going to make you pleasing to God because you've been able to obey all of the rules. If you're led by the Spirit, you follow Him, He changes you, and you are pleasing to God. So you're not under law. Because law can only do a little bit for us to keep us in check. The Spirit changes us. It's what's in us and then comes out of us because we've submitted ourselves to God. Then it goes into our favorite part of this passage, verse 19. Look at it in your text. The acts of the flesh are obvious. The acts of the flesh are obvious. And then he goes on to list 15 things. We're going to go through each one. They're really fascinating to go through each one, as a matter of fact. But look at the phrase, the acts of the flesh are obvious. What it means is, the acts of the flesh, when you're living without God being in control of your life, 
when you're living without the good stuff that comes from the Spirit of God, it's so clear what those things are. He goes, this isn't a giant mystery. We're talking about the stuff that comes in up within us that we go, oh, that's ugly. That's not pretty. Unrestrained, that would be awful. Because they're obvious. They're obviously not from God. And then he starts to list some of them. I really do wish we had time. And if we were in a Bible study together, it would probably be good to spend three or four weeks looking at each one. Here's why. Because it is good for us, friends, to see where, even as most of us have said yes to the gift of Jesus, even where most of us are followers of Christ, to some degree or another, seekers of Christ at least, but even as those, those of us that have the Holy Spirit, it is good for us to see where we are tempted to not be under the rule of God, but to be under our own choices, and therefore this stuff comes out. So this is a good barometer for us to say, oh, that stuff? That's coming out of, yeah, I see that stuff. That's obviously not from God. I have to submit more to God being in charge of my life. This stuff is a barometer. When you start to look at what they are, sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, I want to preach on these. I want to to translate these for you. Do me a favor. Pick a number between 1 and 15 in your head right now. Get one. Everybody get one? You got one? Some of you are the people who get them. Some of you pick one. You're on the edges. Everybody else picks seven, right? (laughs) Two kinds of people in the world, the ones and the sevens. You got 12? All right. You got your number? Count the list. Get to your number. And on three, I'm going to have you say it out loud to me because I'm going to, just for a sec, because just as an experience, I want you to see it. You got your number? There's 15 words. Do not think that I'm saying this is God talking to you. That is not a, that is not a good way to study the scriptures. That's not where I'm going with this illustration. Like, oh, your number? That's God's word to you today. <laughs> what I wanted you to do is just because there's 15, it's overwhelming. Look at one word right now. Which was your word? Just say it. Just say your word. Look at that one word and think to yourself, I'm going to give you 30 seconds of silence. Think to yourself, what would that look like? Certainly not in my life because I'm amazing. But what would that look like in today's world if it was lived out? Living out without the rule of God in our life, this thing could be characteristic of us. Could you translate it to your world right now? Just 30 seconds. Go ahead and look at that. Raise a question for anybody? A little minute of Q&A. Anybody need to have a question? How about yours? Were you able to see how it might look in your life? Somebody's like, I picked orgies. I didn't know what to do with it. (laughs) I saw an alternative translation. Somebody said about orgies, they were trying to explain it. They said, inappropriately pursuing community and love. I know, but isn't it true? We don't have to be given over to what we would think of as an orgy in the Greek, Greco-Roman craziness. 
in that century. We don't have to be giving ourselves over to that to realize that inside ourselves we long for love and community, every one of us, and we pursue it looking for love in all the wrong places. So we're wrapped up in all kinds of unhealthy relationships in our longing to be loved, right? He says in verse 21, after going through the whole list, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Friends, this could be, pre- this could be preached and has on many sidewalks by sidewalk preachers as this God who is going to keep you out because you're so dirty and filthy and awful and he can't wait to get you out of his presence and not let you into heaven. But this text is about the fruit of the Spirit, which is what is growing in you and then comes out of you as you let God be in charge of your life. And those who will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, it's because they have not given themselves to being under the king's authority. Do you hear it? The point here is not some sort of a warning that God can't wait to kick you out of his kingdom. It's saying, if you want to live this way, let it be a, 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 if you are living this way, if you're seeing it in your life, nobody wants to live this way. If you're seeing some of these things in your life, let it be a message to you that you're not submitting yourself to the king. Because the more you submit to the king, the more the kingdom of God is your ruling force. The more the Holy Spirit, you're submitted to the Holy Spirit, then the more the fruit of the Spirit will be growing in you and coming out of you. You hear that? So of course we're not going to inherit the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is about the rule of the king. It's about the rule of God in our lives. And if this stuff is in there, it's a sign, it's a symbol to us that we're not submitted to the king. And so the text goes on, but the fruit of the Spirit, what comes out of God's rule in our lives, it looks like this, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If I admit one more point to make about that whole passage, rage and selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, all that kind of stuff, do you, do you see any common denominator in there? Do you notice anything in that whole list of those sins? Anybody have any kind of way to put together 15 words? Yeah, Kim? Excess. Okay. Those are the... It's what? They hurt other people because they're selfish and they're about me and they're in excess. Those are exactly the two points that I had in my notes. That they're about us living according to what we want, which is what the text just said. They're in conflict with each other. So you can't just do what you want because if we do what we want, we're, we're just we're creatures of addiction. And we'll just keep going. We'll be in excess. And we'll hurt other people and we'll live self-centered lives. And he said, no, 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 no. This is not about being self-centered. This is about being God-controlled. This is about being God-led. 
And that's what the Holy Spirit is all about, is us being God-led. And so the fruit that's going to come out of the God-led people are these kinds of things. And if you read the list and you identify with them, you realize there's no way for you to grow those on your own. There's no way for you to be better at them. You can be better at them a little bit. You really can. You can be a little more loving. You can check your tongue. You can do, put a few things in your life. You can go, you know what? I'm better off that when I feel something rising in me, if I count to 10, I just do better off like 21% of the time. That's awesome. And 79% of the time we're like, I still, I'm just, I'm not, a, I'm not able. So what we need, friends, is more of God's control in our lives, more of a submission to the Holy Spirit. It is this mystery that we can hardly do anything, which fits because we didn't do anything to put ourselves in a relationship with God to begin with. It was the mercy and the love of God that meets us no matter where we are, no matter how broken we are, no matter how messed up we are. He loves us. He first loved us. And so we become his people by him coming by his spirit and changing us. And so in the end, verse 24, those who belong to Christ, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with all its passions and desires. So since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions. Here is an, look at it. It doesn't say that Jesus crucified that flesh for you. Now, when Jesus went to the cross, he overcame the power of sin and death and hell. It no longer has to rule you. That's what salvation means. But this text says you've crucified the flesh with all its passions and desires. You actually, by saying, yes, God, I want your way, you've nailed your urges, your selfishness, your wanting to do your own thing, your excess, you've nailed that to the cross and said, what are, I don't want that. I want more of you, God. So I told you I wasn't going to tell you to do anything more except to submit ourselves to God. That story of me being 22 years old and God confirming in me he could do stuff within me, it started with a young man's desire to say, I don't, I don't know how to do this thing, this walk with you, but I'll meet with you today and I'll read your word and I'll just ask you for more of you. And so the fruit of the Spirit is what is in us, growing in us by God, what is coming out of us as a result of letting God be in charge. The challenge this morning, you guys, is to be thinking about are we letting God be in charge of our lives. I'll release you from the, the lights at this point too as we finish up our sermon. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And worship band, you can come up because we're gonna sing one more song before we go today. The end of the text is, so since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Since life has been given to us by God, we've crucified the flesh, it's nailed to the cross. It, it's hanging there and it's not dead. It doesn't say that it's dead. And so it keeps coming up and bugging us, but it has no power over us. It doesn't have to have power over us. And so we can keep in step with the spirit because that's the alternative. And we're gonna live by the spirit, keep in step with the spirit. It's really a way of rephrasing it, saying we are gonna be submitting ourselves to God to his rule, submitting ourselves to the rule of God. 
And this text starts with saying, take a fearless moral inventory because it may be a sign, it is a sign of how we're doing in submitting to the Lord. And so friends, I don't go through that passage. I didn't go through it line by line to go, do you have this in your life? And are you creating factions? And are you a dissentious person? And those things are going to be all true. And it would have made us all feel like, well, yeah, I got that. I got, a, I got an A in that. I got a B in that. I got a C in that. I got a D in that. Like, yeah, okay. We could have ranked the 15 things. But that was not about, okay, so stop that stuff. That is about, that is a sign that we're not submitted to the Spirit because His fruit's the opposite of that. It's contrary to that. So friends, my challenge for us then as we long to walk in the Spirit, walk with God, live by the Spirit, is to ask the question, are we submitted to God's rule in our lives? It's interesting that the very beginning of the story of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament in Acts, the beginning chapters of Acts, I don't know if you remember Peter's message when the Holy Spirit had come to the church. Peter said to everybody, repent. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins, and then you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Because repentance is about saying, no more self-rule. Baptism is about saying, I identify with what Christ did for me, and I'm his. And my forgiveness means that my flesh has been nailed to the cross. There's no more power to cause death in me anymore. And then you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so the question is, am I submitting myself to the rule of God? Am I submitting myself to the presence of the Holy Spirit? So my keeping in step with the Spirit would be repenting of my self-rule and submitting to the presence of God by his Holy Spirit in my life. So I'm not saying go ahead and do those things. It doesn't matter until such a time you don't want to do them anymore. No, you can't do whatever you want, verse 17 says. But we're going to submit ourselves, repent, and allow God to begin to do his work, continue to do his work in us, so then the fruit comes out of us. Well, I can't get away from us, friends, Every time, every time we preach, at the end, we're back to a calling to repentance and submission and to lordship and to transformation. We're back to being dependent on who God is and what he can do in our lives and saying, God, okay, here I am. Bring your forgiveness, bring your change, bring your power, bring your Holy Spirit. That's one sermon. We got one sermon. And God comes in all his grace and all his presence and with the Holy Spirit and all his power. And does his work in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is what happens when we've settled the issue that we'll let God be in charge of our lives. And that spirit of wisdom and revelation will come and talk to us and lead us, guide us with our conscience, with our knowledge of the word, with our brain, all the good stuff that Art preached about a week ago or whenever, two weeks ago, whenever that was. But we do the work of submitting. That's why you're here. And even as we end with one more song this morning, for us to settle the issue, God, I repent of my self-rule and I invite you more and more to come in and to be my king and to be my guide and to speak to me 
and let me keep up with the Spirit.